You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Annie Yael Kwan. Annie, thank you so much for being with me today. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Annie, it's, it's April 15th. Uh, you're in Singapore, uh, but aren't based there, I don't think. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're what you're doing in Singapore and, and also how Singapore is, because we're still in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, at least we are in the, yeah. in the U.S. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, yes, I'm in Singapore, where it's 16th April, funnily enough, because it's just gone past midnight. And um, I'm here because, well, I was, on, I was in Japan first last year, and I was meant to be there from January to March for research residency. And then the pandemic hit, and I couldn't get out of Japan, so I ended up staying till July. And then it was always planned that I would swing via Singapore on the way back to the UK where I'm based. Um, I have family and friends here, but when I came over to Singapore, the UK went into a series of lockdowns, and it just didn't seem, you know, it didn't make any sense to rush back. And I had another friend staying in my place, so I just thought, you know, I'm going to stay put here and just kind of keep close to family and see what's going on, yeah. So I've been very lucky. I mean, Singapore's really kind of calmed down after the initial sort of shock, um, so everything actually feels very normal now. We've resumed back to, you know, socializing uh, in each other's houses and in public and restaurants are open, institutions are open. There are just a few limitations, like the size of the group. And, of course, we're still wearing masks, we're still sanitizing and doing a lot of check-ins and check-outs of buildings. But in terms of movement, I think things have sort of resumed back and everyone's back at work. So, you know, it's it's sort of strange to have this experience while I know like, you know, in various other parts of the world, they've gone into lockdown again. So, you know, <laughs> it, it's been a very strange year. It has, it has. And and tell me what you're working on now. So I imagine that's also affected some of your of your projects, but what, what's happening, I imagine, on, in, in a number of fronts in your creative uh, sphere? Oh, um, well, uh, since 2018, I've been working on a project called Asia Art Activism, it's a research network that is interdisciplinary and intergenerational. And it was first sort of launched with this idea that we would love to explore this concept or paradigm of Asia, uh, which of course covers a very wide geographic swath, but also it's very kind of complex. It's the sort of diversity within Asia itself. And so within the UK, um, sometimes it's a sort of shorthand when you say Asia, they tend to think of South Asia because that's been a little bit more dominant in some of the public narratives. So if you're from Southeast Asia or East Asia, it's been a little harder to have some visibility or representation, uh, especially in sort of more mainstream places. So for us, Asia uh, was really about complicating the idea of Asia and also acknowledging that a lot of ideas of Asia tend to be either sort of romanticized but also fetishized according to kind of Orientalist ideas of Asia. So the network has grown very quickly. It's now kind of, I think we're about 100-odd members who are all curators, artists, uh, writers, researchers, all with very individual practices and research interests. Um, but we are linked by this question of Asia. Um, and we also explore Asia in connection to two other disciplines of art and activism. Um, and we find that there are, of course, interesting proximities between the two, and they tend to overlap sometimes or be in tension with each other. 
And we launched this in 2018, and we've been you know, doing a whole lot of public programming of uh, so, so wait, I want to talk about the public route. program, but when you say, when you say mm. we launched it, who is, who is we? Because mm. I know there's, there's a lot happening with just the Asia Art Activism Project. Who is we? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it, originally when it first started, it became a conversation between myself and Jun Lin Go. Um, and then as we grew very quickly, you know, more people came on board. And so now we have like a group of associates and the associates are about 14 or 15 people uh, from various parts of diaspora Asia or being UK Asia. So very um, intertangled kind of ideas of uh, heritage and lineage. And they comprise of artists, curators, uh, practitioners, researchers. So this group has sort of seen AA evolve through these few years and also been contributing to the idea of what is AA. You know, how can we function differently than just a research network? And I think it was very interesting that across this period when the pandemic hit, and of course there was a, a, quite a significant and noticeable rise of anti-Asian sentiment and, and sometimes violence as well in the public sphere. Uh, this has also been a point where, of course, we've correlated around and offered each other support through last year, which was very difficult because people were all over the place, displaced, there's been illness, job precarity, and so on. And so slowly, um, from a research network, we've also been experimenting with ideas of collectivizing and how to kind of function better as a community. So I think that for us, um, it's been very interesting trying to address these questions of racism because this anti-Asian um, racism and rhetoric of course, has risen alongside other very emotive and very uh, fraught situations with Black Lives Matter and all the incidents in the U.S. as well. So, you know, it's, it's a very interesting political time, uh, but we also found ourselves um, on the foreground of, like, fielding some of these issues, um, both personally within the network, people have experienced that, but also in the kind of wider diaspora network that we are plugged into. Uh, through the various um, educational institutions and organizations. And when you say it evolved over these uh, over the past few years, uh, that sounds like such an organic process. But but how is it evolving? Is it it's it's a you're saying research based right now? But is there funding for it? Is it also a nonprofit? How how does it grow and expand the way it has? Uh, I guess the first part is that we've been supported by a patron. Uh, who offered us uh, the use of space at a very kind of a beautiful location in uh, near central London. And uh, us and a, whole, uh, a number of other collectives became residents in this space called Raven Row. So Raven Row gave us a studio space. We could access its uh, event space and communal meeting rooms and kitchen facilities. So this is actually, you know, this was such a gift because space is such a premium in London. And usually, you know, you have to take a long time to form partnerships with organizations that have a venue. But here, we could actually just use the space. And so that gave us the freedom to plan activities. Um, and it also set us free from planning activities with the need to perform to certain kinds of criteria that you would have to have fulfilled in order to have a partnership to have space, you know. So I think this is what right. I mean by it evolved, yeah, because we slowly shifted away from the idea of simply just doing the usual stuff, which we do do, you know, artist talks and workshops and seminars and, and you know, the usual kind of public programming. We, we have done plenty of that. 
but we also be able, we were also able to use the space to just hang out, you know, have lots of hot pots and potlucks and just allow friendships to form between people that originally, you know, either knew each other by reputation or did not know each other at all, you know. So across these um, years, um, there have been many friendships and collaborations that form within the network. And I think we've started to implement within ourselves a politics of care. So really kind of trying to slow down in the way we work, trying to hold the space when last year was very difficult for our members and trying to think through, you know, more equitable ways of working that are, I suppose, slightly adjunct to how competitive the arts industry is. So maybe we should talk a little bit more about that. I mean, you were, were in, ter- in terms of competitive the art, the art industry. Um, do you mean how how um, those in you know in this space in this collective um, manage their own careers in the art world, or, or, or what does that mean exactly about it being competitive? Um, well, we I guess we are based mostly in the UK in London. And London is one of those places where uh, there's a lot going on for the arts, which is fantastic. And we do have public funding with Arts Council England. But, of course, grants are competitive. And whenever uh, opportunities come up, like open calls for artists from institutions, again, you know, there are more artists than there are opportunities sometimes. So the, I guess a career path for someone in the arts has always been one that is um, very challenging. You know, can you get to a point where you can make your art or your art profession pay? You know, can you survive and live on this? Um, and it's also been, um, it's well known as well that if you come from a uh, more marginalized group, that is sometimes harder to find representation. So we're still working with institutions that are a little bit more traditional, that have a certain idea of what is allowed to be programmed within that space. So you know, it's, it's slowly evolving, but by and large, it's still very difficult for many artists. And I think what that says it's, it's, it's exciting what you're, what you're doing in general because there's a number of things that are happening there. So, so uh, in, in a space in London, um, the patron still supports that? There, is, there, is, there, is there grant sounds like what's floating the rest or could mm-hmm. be, but is there also uh, the possibility of it being a nonprofit and growing that way and having more private funding? Is that... Is that the future or, or not necessarily? I think at the moment we are exploring all these avenues. Um, so we do uh, have grants from Arts Council England for different projects. We've also been very lucky. We've got some grants from uh, the Bagri Foundation, so that's a, a private patron. And that's, a, uh, that's not as um, common as in the U.S., so in the U.K. that's not uh, so easy and not so usual, so we were very fortunate. Um, so we've had different types of funding, but I think more than accessing funding, we've also been thinking within the network, like how do we work? You know, how, how can we be more equitable in terms of the way we pay? So I guess what I'm trying to say is that while many institutions still function on you know, a known hierarchy of seniority or you know, whether this artist has got enough of a profile and a name, here I think within the network it's been very mutual, it's very reciprocal, so everyone wants to look out for each other and support each other and support each other's development of their practice. So I think that for us has been um, very wonderful to see, I think, especially across you know, such a difficult year. Absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, that's wonderful to hear. So um, 
Is there something else we should be talking about that you're doing when you when you go back, uh, or, or or that you're doing here because um, this is your main project? But there's a, a number of aspects to it, right? There's um, yeah. there, there was you know uh, I don't know different different things that you're doing within this, like um, yeah. radio, right? And 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 a yeah. number of elements, a number of kind of sub categories within it. Yes. Um, I guess how we all function is we, we do our part within the network, and there are several ongoing projects right now for AA, as in the um, AA publication that we're working on. But I'm also an independent curator and researcher sort of outside of AA. And one thing that I'm really excited to share is that we're about to launch the first event for something called Asia Forum. Um, Asia Forum um, will launch on the 14th of May, and we're so excited because um, we've had a brilliant working council. Uh, there's Hamad Nasser, uh, a curator and researcher based in the UK, uh, Professor Ming Tianpo, who is a wonderful researcher from Carlton University, and John Tain from Asia Art Archive. And we've been having these wonderful conversations thinking about what can this platform do and how can we sort of using the device of Asia as a mechanism to think through uh, various larger issues such as eco-justice or democracy or you know how, uh, what can art do in this part of the world. And what we're doing in May is we're launching via a digital gathering first, and we're so excited because we've got amazing um, protagonist speakers. So we've got Patrick Flores from the Philippines, a wonderful art historian and curator, uh, Lan Tensier, an artist based in Dubai, uh, Shubha Gupta, another artist who was shown in Venice a couple of years ago, and she's, I think, based in India. Uh, Anna Singh, you know, who's based in, I think, west, um, west coast of the U.S., and she's a wonderful anthropologist and also recently co-curated a project called Feral Atlas. Um, so it's, you know, a really kind of a wonderful group of people that are going to have a conversation and uh, bring the, their preoccupations as sort of provocations in the session. And then, we, you know, there's going to be a kind of moderated dialogue to it, too. So I think we're very excited about this. And so we have this schedule in the spring, and we have another one in September. And then finally, we have a, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, a real event um, at uh, the Foundation Querini Stampalia in Venice um, in next year, alongside the Venice Biennale's preview week. So that's And what would that be? What would that be in Venice? Happen. I mean, listen, I, I like to hear dreams of things wide <laughs> open. So what, what, what would happen in Venice? Ooh, uh, at the moment, a lot of that's under wraps. So I can't sort of say too much yet. Okay, but, sure. But you know, there will be an amazing conversation, I'm sure, and presentation. Really, we want to pick up on the exciting and key issues that um, are entangled with ideas of Asia's and how Asia's also been uh, a kind of rising theme uh, in many of the biennales over the last few years by the presence of more pavilions that are from the Asian countries, but also more Asian artists being shown in the central pavilions. So... You know, I think there's a kind of connection between those themes. We're looking at it discursively and also poetically. So, yeah, watch this space. I think, you know, we, we're, we'll be very excited to announce that at some point, yeah. That's exciting. I wish you well with that. Uh, I want to ask you one more thing, which is, what are you reading at the moment? Oh, wow. Uh, I love that kind of question because I'm one of those people with many books around me that I have read. Um, but currently, the one that I'm really enjoying is called uh, On Earth, We Are Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vong. Uh, it was sent to me by a friend uh, in the UK, 
and I've been sort of working my way through it slowly, and it's really beautiful. It's um, a letter from a son to a mother who cannot read, and, you know, within that sort of tension, that beautiful poetic tension, you know, there's a story of heartbreak and sorrow, but it's also wrapped up in the politics, you know, of the last century, and I think it's a very powerful and, and beautifully written book. Yeah. So, and I think it speaks to maybe something that we're all kind of having to manage more and more, uh, which is a condition of grief. Um, I think the pandemic, you know, had a, a devastating impact across the world. And some of us are very lucky, and I'm, and I'm very grateful for that. But I know that there's been immense loss, um, and we're just coming to terms with that. And... Of course, then there's also border issues to face, you know, we're facing with ecological loss. So this condition is something that we, I think we're still thinking about how to manage. And I think this book writes very sensitively about those kind of um, psychological spaces. So I'm, I'm slowly exploring that and seeing how we can think about art and, and the necessary healing that we need. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that sounds like such a powerful book. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I just want to thank you for talking with me today. And it's exciting to hear about your projects that, that are and the ones that are to be. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. And yeah, it was really nice to, uh, to be able to share all this with you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs>